and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 25, Building a Reading Community. Today, I interview Fletcher Nelson, a third grade teacher from Minnesota. Fletcher has over 35,000 followers on Instagram, and it's for good reason. One, he's just a really cool guy. Two, he has a major love for reading that he spreads to his students, and it's very evident if you follow him on Instagram. We're going to talk with Fletcher about building a comfortable reading community within your classroom. Before we get started today, I just want to remind all of you to visit our new website, educators2educators.com. And remember, that's the number two, educators2educators.com. We've launched a new teacher self-care blog on our website, and it's called Positively Happy Teaching. I think you're really going to like it. Check it out. We have tips for getting a better night's sleep, how to wake up positive and ready to start your day in the morning, and all tips specifically for teachers about self-care. Today, I am joined by a very special and super popular guest, Fletcher Nelson. So I met Fletcher through Instagram. I just reached out to him, gosh, last season when we did our Instagram superstar teacher episode. And then Fletcher and I talked forever. Uh, We did a Google Hangout. And I remember Fletcher saying to me like, oh gosh, I knew you were going to interview me for like an hour. And I thought, how am I going to talk to this woman for an hour? And then at the end of the day, I think we went over time because we were just talking all things kids and teaching and learning. So um, when I first thought Matt Fletcher, I think he had like 7,000 Instagram followers and now he has 35,000 Instagram followers. And I said, Fletcher, I think you should come back on the podcast, especially because Fletcher has such a great and magnetic like passion for reading and making an environment in his classroom in which kids want and love reading. So with that being said, Fletcher, thank you so much for joining Educators to Educators podcast. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah. So Fletcher, we were talking earlier. Um, The first thing that I want to talk about is your summer. So on Instagram this summer, you were cracking me up with your, is it a pontoon boat that you have, Fletcher? You have it correct. My pontoon. Okay. So let's talk about this pontoon boat because I, it seriously entertained me so much this summer. So how did you get this boat? And tell us about what made you decide to like make this investment and spend your time on the water this summer. So the town I live in is a big like lake and cabin area. Um, and so the first summer I lived here, it was 4th of July and me and my friends, we were stranded on land. Like we're up by all these lakes, but all of our friends who lived here who had boats or cabins, they had family up. So we were just like, okay, this needs to change. So I said, by next 4th of July, I'm going to buy a cheap, crappy pontoon. And within like, it was probably like three weeks later, my sister sent me an ad for her coworkers pontoon. And just as like, she had it like written up hilarious, just like talked it up, even though it was just, you know, this kind of piece of junk, but it was just like, I'm like, I just said I needed a pontoon and now this is here. So I kind of replied to our group message said, I need that thing. And my dad of all people just said, you should buy it. And he would be the last person to say that. So as soon as I heard him say that, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. I didn't know where I was going to keep it. I didn't know how I was, I don't have a vehicle to pull it, but I bought it. 
Okay, so I'm looking at your Instagram post of you on your pontoon. Looks like you're on Long Lake. Yep. I'm going to read to you your caption. So it says, now that my pontoon is in the water, it officially feels like summer. I know what you're thinking. Chain link fence, BYOC, bring your own chair, and zero carpet. How did a teacher afford such a luxurious vessel on his own? I promise I worked hard and saved my money to buy the boat of my dreams. All of the penny pinching was worth it to be able to drive the Range Rover of pontoons. Follow your dreams. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I'm definitely going to share this picture out uh, in the in the notes and how so people can follow you on Instagram. But just talk to me about like how, what does this boat mean to you and what kind of fun did you have this summer on this boat? It was just a way to get out on the lake. Like I said, within 20 miles of the town I live in, there's 200 lakes and. Um, actually one of my coworkers let me use his cabin since they moved onto a lake. So I got to keep it out there and we hung out there all the time. And it was just great because on those days when it was nice and sunny, instead of us going to the public beach, we could go on my pontoon and cruise around and just hang out. And it was, it was a lot of fun and it didn't, it didn't break down once. It did not break down once. That's impressive. It is. Well, it's been so much fun to watch you on your pontoon all summer, but Fletcher, what I really want to do is talk about you. So tell us how long have you been teaching and what are a couple things that maybe people don't know about you that you would like to share? All right. So this is my fifth year teaching, um, my second year in third grade. And let's see, things that people probably don't know about me. I think one, just going off like Instagram and teacher wise, um, I teach in a 35, maybe older year old portable. And it is awful. Um, Ew. Everyone sees my pictures. They're like, Oh, I'm so jealous of your classroom. Don't be. Um, it's, we have a referendum that we're voting for this fall and hopefully it passes. So I'm out of this thing, but it gets hot. It gets loud. It gets stinky. So that's one thing that most people don't really realize when they just see my pictures on Instagram. Yeah. So it's like you, you, you have a theme going here, Fletcher. It's like, make the best of what you got. So you made your best of your pontoon. You're making, you know, good use of that trailer that you're teaching in. What else do we want to, what else should people know about you? All right. Well, this summer, 4th of July, kind of, we were out in the pontoon, you know, it looks like it'd be really fast. It's really not. So one of our other friends brought out his speedboat and I was tubing with one of my coworkers who I teach third grade with. And we, hit a wave on one of those tubes that you sit upright in. Yeah. And when we hit that wave, my head nailed his face and I ended up (gasps) breaking his face. Like we had surgery and everything and I felt awful. It was a complete accident, but I felt so bad. I literally broke his face. Oh my gosh. No, is that friend on Instagram that we can send them sympathy messages? Um, You sure can. He just joined actually. So we're proud of him for that. Awesome. So what is his, if we, let's get him a following from this podcast. Who is this friend? Let's look him up and everyone follow. All right. We have Mark Whiting and his teacher Insta username is Whiting's world third. Nice. Okay, Mark, here they come. Oh, I just looked him up. He's got a hundred followers guys. Let's get Mark up to like a thousand followers. Come on, let's get him there. I broke his face. He deserves it. (laughs) Well, Mark, I'm sorry to hear that Fletcher broke your face. Uh, but in return, we're going to get you some followers. So what else should we know about you? You know, other than that, I am a big fan of Netflix, Naps, and Taco Bell. And <laughs> I'm waiting till I move out of an apartment hopefully soon. That way I can finally get a dog. 
and then I'll be set. I'll have a dog in my pontoon. What more do I need? <laughs> your dog, your pontoon, and a bright teaching career. Real quick, before we get started with Fletcher, I want to thank Sarah Bunker for leaving this amazing review in the Apple Podcast Store. She says, real relatable content for teachers, five stars. As a person who has left the business world to pursue her dream of being a teacher, I'm loving the E2E podcast. Carrie offers sound thoughts and guidance driven by her vast experience as a teacher in the Chicago school system. I love her perspective and stories about her career as a classroom teacher. I truly feel that Carrie's podcast has given me a true picture of what life is like as a teacher. The format is completely consumable as all episodes are approximately 20 minutes long and organized to offer three main takeaways for the listener. Thank you for your work, Carrie. Well, thank you, Sarah. That was a very generous review. And like I've said before, those type of reviews really fuel my fire and keep me going here at Educators to Educators. I would appreciate if you would push that pause button right now, go into the app store and leave a review. Maybe I'll read it right here on Educators to Educators. I really love that your passion for reading comes through on your Instagram. I think that's like the first thing I was attracted to when I looked at your Instagram is like literacy, literacy, literacy. So let's talk about why you love building a reading community in your classroom. What got you kind of to this place? Honestly, it's because I hated reading growing up. I hated reading in high school. I hated reading in college. Um, I had not actually read a book probably since fourth grade until I was student teaching and my cooperating teacher had me start leading literature, uh, literature circles. And I'm like, crap, I'm going to have to read a book. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the first book I had read in you know, a long time. And then after I read that book and it was fifth grade and I think it was, it was called rules. I forgot who the author is, but it like, I just read it and I was like, Holy, this is actually like good. And it was yep. enjoyable to read. And I was then after that, I'm like, okay, so maybe this whole reading thing isn't so bad after all. I'm very similar to you in the fact that I feel like all the reading I did from middle school on was like for school and I was forced to read. Um, like I can remember being younger and reading like the little house on the prairie books and I would get into those. But other than that, I don't remember ever being taught like to love to read for fun. No, I, I don't either. I like when I think of reading, the first thing I think of is like AR, which is why I'm not a AR fan. Um, I remember getting my reading level like, hey, you're a 4.2 to a 5.3, you can only get books in that level. You have to get six AR points this quarter. And if you don't, then you don't get the reward. Yeah, that's no fun. So, I mean, I was reading to get points. I wanted to be able to get the reward and it wasn't to enjoy the books. They didn't care what I was reading as long as it was in my level. They didn't care if I liked it. They just cared that I was getting points. It's interesting because if you think about motivations, that motivates the kid who's like the high achiever kid, the competitive kid. Um, and it's probably not motivating the kids that we need to desperately motivate to read the most. Oh, for sure. And they're the kids who are like, well, I'm not going to make it anyways. So why try? And like, yeah. you know, it just, it didn't work out. I mean, it, it kind of turned me off from reading. Yeah, me too. So I can definitely relate to that. So you sparked this new passion 
um, to turn your classroom into a place that kids want to read. So let's talk about classroom libraries. I feel like there have been a lot of swings in the pendulum of how we should organize our classroom libraries, how we should set them up. So what, what do you think? Right now, I have mine kind of, I have it organized. I have some bins, and then I have some just on a bookshelf where you can just see the spines of them. Um, in my bins, I have a lot of, like, books that have a lot of, or authors who have a lot of books and some popular series. Otherwise, I just have mine organized by author's last name. I don't have them leveled. And I just kind of think, I looked at my first year teaching, and this, that first school I was at was very heavy on AR. And I was teaching fifth and sixth grade, and I had a sixth grader who really wanted and loved Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but he wouldn't read it because it was like a AR level was like a 4.4. And he's like, well, I'm reading on an eighth grade level, so I can't read that book. Oh, man. And I was like, that's not how it works. Like, if you're going to enjoy the book, you read the book. That's what we care about. So that's yeah. why I don't put mine by level. I just don't want to turn any of them off by it being – a lot of people think it's, oh, well, it's nice because then these the lower readers aren't trying to read these super hard books. Well – but then you have these other kids who think they can't read a book because it looks like it's too easy for them. I'm like, I even had a kid who like fake read um, Eldest. Have you seen that book? It's like, it's so thick. It was like the biggest book I had in my library. And like he fake read it and I knew he was fake reading it, but he just wanted to like feel cool that he had this big book. Uh, like I kind of put a time cap on it. Like I wasn't going to let him fake read this book for a month. Um, but also, I mean, sometimes kids want the challenge. Like he wasn't actually reading that, but I also don't like the idea that they're like, oh, I'm only an M, so I'm not going to read an O book, right? Or, exactly. you know, if you're doing Protestant and Penel or whatever. So but, I like that. Yeah. And then it, I think too, like if they are determined, you know, they're going to actually try to read it and maybe they'll be successful. Maybe they won't, but I think that's kind of part of the growth mindset too. Like, well, then you have that conversation like, hey, you tried really hard you're not there yet. Maybe in a few months you can try again and maybe you'll be able to read it. So now do you have, how do you pick what read alouds that you do with kids? Sorry. I know we're talking about classroom libraries oh, no. here, but, um, so it kind of depends. Like I started off the year, I just picked it the first one. And then after we completed that one, then I kind of had a um, couple that my class really liked last year and I had them vote for it, which one they thought they would like the best. And then I honestly just kind of like, if I see a good book, I kind of just like, hey guys, I saw this book. This is what it's about. What do you think? And I try to get their input for it for like our chapter books that are read alouds, just that way that they're kind of get them interested in that as well. Cool. So you have your library. It's organized not by level, but by author last name. Then you have some bins with series in it. Um, what else do you do in your classroom library? How have you got books? Like, talk to us more about how you've built that classroom library up for uh, to be a, a place that kids want to be. Um, so whenever we do a scholastic book order, I always have them fill out a wish list of books that they want to get. Um, they bring that home with them. And first off, that really helps get more parent orders because I feel like otherwise the book orders, they just kind of get pushed aside. But this way they already have done their shopping and know what they want. And then regardless of whether or not they order books, I have them bring that wish list back. Because then when I have my bonus points for Scholastic, I can look at their wish list and be like, okay, I had six kids who really wanted to read the new I Survive book. I need to get that one for sure. Or I have this reluctant reader who thought they would like the new Geronimo Stilton book. So I should get that one so that she can try reading that. Um, I just use those wish lists as a way to kind of guide the new books that I add to the library. And then they're always pumped when that book box comes and then they see the new books that are being added. Um, that's so genius. 
I'm so mad at myself that I'd never thought of that. Um, and I will say like, I grew up three kids in a single parent home and we had no extra money. Like I wasn't even getting the free dollar book from Scholastic and like Scholastic kind of caused a lot of it. I have vivid memories of feeling embarrassed that I was the only one that couldn't get a book from Scholastic. Um, so I like that, like you could use that as a way to get books that maybe someone like me as a little girl was like, oh, I wanted to read book this book. Well, it shows up in my classroom library. I can then read it. So I love that. Yeah, it's it's worked really well so far. So, and I let the kids take my books home. I don't mind. I mean, they're going to be reading them. That's awesome. So try to get them excited about the books that I'm adding to there. I like it. Um, how else do you get books? So you got Scholastic. What else do you do to get new titles in your classroom? Um, I am a, addicted to Amazon. So if anyone posts on Instagram, like, uh, oh, this book's on sale, then it's kind of like, okay, I just bought it. How did that happen? <laughs> um, and then like, you know, thrift shop. I haven't done a lot of thrift shopping or garage sales, um, but my mom is like a pro. That's how I get a lot of my seating stuff in my room as well. But so if she sees, she'll like take pictures. She knows like Magic Treehouse books or like, she'll send a picture like, Hey, I just found a bunch of these. Do you want them? And you know, sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's a, uh, no, I think we're, we're all right on those. But, um, so she's a big help just checking out like thrift shops and garage sales for books as well. Yeah. We talked about this in our flexible seating episode of put it out there to all your friends that aren't teachers that you're looking for this stuff for your classrooms, because you don't know if they are like out and they see books on sale, especially your rich friends that have rich people jobs. You can be like, Hey, if you ever see, you know, these books, grab them for me. <laughs> exactly. And actually I had a um, parent last year too, who was like, Hey, we have all these books that they've read. They're not going to read again. Would you want to add them to your classroom library? And so that was actually, that was the first time that had happened, but that was actually really cool. Just knowing like, Hey, they had these books at home, knew they weren't going to read them anymore. So they might as well Yes. I actually think, I'm glad you brought that up because like, I know, you know, I have books and books and books for my classroom, but just in general, we got a ton of books as gifts. And, um, I think even just sending a note home in your newsletter saying, Hey, do you have books lying around that you don't use? We would love them. Oh yeah. Um, and then I know like my kids school, instead of like birthday kids being able to bring birthday treats, their classes do birthday books. So, um, the concept basically, if you never heard of it, is on the child's birthday, instead of bringing in a treat, one of the things they can do is bring in a book and it can be new or used. They put like a little sticker inside that says like, this is Emily's birthday book from 2018. And then it helps them also build up the classroom library. Oh, I've never even heard that. That's a good idea though. Oh, it's awesome. And the, the kids love it because they get to pick the book. Um, yeah. So there you go. Hey, I shared something with you today, Fletcher. I taught you something. Yes. I'm going to steal that for sure. This week's episode is sponsored by The Grade Network. The Grade Network helps schools provide more personalized feedback to students and more data to teachers on formative writing assignments. Through their online platform, teachers are matched with highly qualified remote assistants that read and respond to student writing. Graders deliver fast, high-quality feedback and enable increased writing opportunities for students while also expanding teacher capacity. If you want to learn more about what the Grade Network provides for teachers, students, and schools, and if you want to see pictures from my recent visit to their office, 
check out educatorstoeducators.com backslash podcast. All right. So you've got your classroom library set up. You've got it organized in a way that kids want to go over there and browse the books. Let's talk about getting them excited to read, especially this time of year. It's the beginning of the year. They're dusting off the summer cobwebs. How do you get them excited? Um, Well, like you said, they, a lot of them didn't read over the summer, so I start small. We start by just, you know, after they found their first book they want to read, just working on building that reading stamina. And I just have them all start reading, and I'm like, I'm going to watch for the first person who breaks their stamina, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, and I, we kind of time it. So, like, the first time is always, like, 46 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, guys, we can beat this. And, like, so they're just kind of determined that way. Like, okay, we can read for longer. We can do this. And we kind of graph it out through the first couple weeks. So that just kind of gets them back into the swing of it, back into like building up their stamina as they're there. Um, but you know, once the year gets going on, it gets tough to keep them excited about it. So um, I try to kind of do things every once in a while that will get them pumped to read like flashlight reading. Our school um, bought a bunch of mini flashlights for I love to read month. So we can check them out from the office like anytime during the year. So I just black out our windows like I just put butcher paper over them and I turn off the lights and they grab their flashlights and we just will flashlight read. And they just, they love that. That's a pretty easy way to get them excited to be reading. That's awesome. I love just to quick go back the stamina idea. Genius. It was, Genius. And that, like we just talked about, you know, stamina is how long you can do something without getting tired. And like, we just want to keep improving it. So our goal is kind of 20 minutes and it's like at this point in the year, we're in the fourth week. I'd say about most of the kids can do it, but you know, there's still a few who aren't quite there, but it's kind of like a good, just like visual for them to like, Hey, cause I tell them like, I love to read, but I can't sit and read for, you know, hours. Like I like to take a break. I like to go do other stuff too, but you want to be able to do it for a big chunk of time. Yeah. And it's just like, there's so many analogies you could do there to running, obviously sports, learning a musical instrument. I mean, like my son's learning to play the saxophone. He just got a saxophone and I was just talking to him about stamina. Like you have to build your muscles up, but you're not going to be able to practice for an hour at a time. Um, And I just love applying that to reading and then making it the class goal of, hey, I'm going to watch for for whoever breaks it. I'm not going to call that person out. Um, it really brings in that like cooperation aspect too. And it's been pretty cool too. Cause like kids ought to blow their nose and they're like, well, I'm not going to break our stamina. So as they're walking over to blow their nose, they keep reading. So it's kind of, <laughs> too, like, you kind of get rid of like the avoidance, like the, Oh, I need to go find a new book. Cause then it's, well, then you broke stamina. You should have had your, ah. you realize you're going to finish it. You should have brought your other book with. So it's kind of been a good lesson for that too. Genius Fletcher genius. Now, the only thing is one of these days you're going to have a kid like, throw up all over their book and they're not going to want to break their stamina. Oh, so no. I just want to prepare you for that. Hey, you know, we'll just buy it. Well, Amazon, I'll just Amazon the book. We'll have it in two days. <laughs> You'll Amazon and some like major like sanitizer oh, spray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, man, this, you're sharing some really cool things. Like I've been around the block and I haven't heard some of this. So thanks. That's, that's an awesome tip. So Talk about, I mean, once again, going back to your Instagram, because you are, you share so many cool things. Like I've seen you do some really special theme days on your Instagram for reading. So will you tell us more about that? Um, So one of the big ones that, I mean, I've done like, I want to do more of it. So like the flashlight reading has been the big one. Um, We've done like, just like pajama days. So they're when they bring in or wear pajamas. And then I always let them bring like a blanket if it's not during like lice season, because that's just (laughs) 
yes, that is. But then, so they, you know, they're already in there. They're comfy. They come here. We, you know, snuggle up while they do with their blanket and start reading. And like, that's a really good one. Just, and they love wearing pajamas to school. Um, and I've seen a lot of people like Juan Gonzalez. He's like my hero. So he did a beach day and like, I'm determined to do that this year. So he brought in a bunch of like inflatable pool floaties and they just had their beach themed. Like they're at the beach, they're reading and they, so I want to try doing that this year. Um, you know, camp out is a popular one. So get like a fireplace and, um, kind of you get the flashlights up for that one, just to have those theme days that where they're excited to read then and they're pumped to, I mean, they walk into the room and they just know something's different because of the atmosphere has changed. Oh, so you kind of surprise them sometimes with those days? Yeah, some of them are surprised and like, obviously like the pajama day and stuff, those ones are more like they know are going to happen. Yeah. Like switch so- it up, keep them on their toes. Yeah. I love it. What else do you do? How else do you get kids excited to read? Um, book raffles has been another big one. So kind of back to the scholastic bonus points, I'll just sometimes get, you know, some of those high interest books and I'll get extra for them. And then we'll, I'll raffle them off. So kids, I usually kind of give out the slips kind of for, it's like a behavior, like, oh, you're the first one the carpet here. Take this, you get an extra book raffle slip. Um, so then when we have the book raffle, they just, I kind of put plastic cups in front of the books and they go around and write their name and drop them in the books they think they want to win. And then we'll raffle off the books. And I usually try to have at least 25 books and I only let them win one book. So if they win twice, they can choose which one they want. Um, but that way everyone should get a, at least one book that day then too. And can the kids um, turn those back into the raffle or they just take them home? Those ones they keep. So if the, if you went okay. from the book raffle, that is your book to keep. Cool. Do you have, like, these are all really, really fun, but like, what do you do with that kid that comes into your classroom that is just way behind in reading and just hates it? And that's kind of like where I am right now. Like I still have kids who come in and tell me like, I don't like reading. And I'm like, you know what? You can say that now, but hopefully it changes. Um, And that's kind of, like I said, this is my second year teaching third. So last year I didn't know a lot of like the books that would be popular for them. So I'm a lot more confident going into it this year. Like I know graphic novels are huge with third graders. Yeah. So with those kids I have coming in right now, that tell me they hate reading. Like I'm trying to, recommend those like i mean dog man like if you can read that like they're hilarious they're funny and i think that if they're able to read one book like that then they'll kind of get hooked on a series or on that author or on that style of writing yeah and then also just like letting them have the choice of what they read i think helps too because i'm not forcing them like hey this is the book you're going to read we're going to sit here you got like this is what you're reading like i give them a choice to find books they're interested in and we talk about, you know, whether it's a good fit book, like you don't want to just, like you had said earlier, you don't want to describe the big thick book to look cool. You want to find the ones that you know what's going on and that you can actually read. So I think between those, like as far as just giving recommendations and then also giving them the power to choose those, those really help those reluctant readers, but it takes time. It's not going to be like a, Oh, I love reading now. Thanks for that one book recommendation. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. over the over the months of just constant, you know, hey, have you tried this one? Or just kind of checking in with them. That's it. It, it does help. It's interesting too. I mean, I think back to a couple of books that I taught third, fourth, and fifth. But a couple of books that I read aloud to my class, and I would tell them, like, I remember in fifth grade my teacher reading the BFG to me. Like, I can remember her voice. I can remember it was always after lunch and she would turn the lights off. 
Um, it's one of my favorite things I remember from school as a kid. And I would tell them like, one of my favorite things to do is to read aloud to you. And I went to read my class where the red fern grows. And I said to them, like, this book is a really hard book to read aloud. There's a lot of like old language in here. Um, and I feel like you guys aren't going to like this book at the beginning, but let me promise you by the time we finish this book, it's going to be one of the like best books you've ever read. Um, and it always turned out, I mean, they would be moaning and groaning for the first couple days of reading it. And then that book just has such an incredible ending. Like there were tears, they were so into it, but I always tried to remind them, like, sometimes you have to just push through some of the hard parts of a book that seem like so boring and kind of just want to give up on it because sometimes there can be like a gem hidden oh, for, in that book. For sure. And like, especially once we get further into the year and talk more about plots. I mean, I tell them all the time, like if you, you got to give it a chance because right away you're getting introduced to the characters, to the setting, kind of like what the conflict's going to be. You have to get into like that rising action there and get to the climax because then you're going to be hooked, but it's not always going to happen in the first few chapters. You got to give it time. Yeah. And And also some like that whole idea of like, read the first page. And if there's too hard of words or like, I remember that was kind of the thing probably seven or eight years ago, like read the first page and count to five. If you don't know five of the words, I mean, if I did that, I would never read a book probably. (laughs) Um, But I think like teaching kids to give it a little bit more time before they put the book down. And I think like having that conversation with read alouds is awesome because then they're seeing it firsthand, like, okay, wasn't that exciting? Then boom, they're hooked. So it's like, that's could be you with the books you're reading on your own. You have to give it that chance. So it's kind of, I mean, it's really relatable for them instead of just telling them, Hey, this happens. You're actually showing them. Yeah. I love that. So talking about showing them, like, how do you show them like good reading and good reading habits? Like how do you model that for them? Um, I try to like at least beginning of the year, I do it more often. Like I actually read with them. Um, I, not every day, like I go around and I'll confer with them, see what they're reading, have them read to me, make sure what they're able to read what they're reading. Um, but I will, like during our independent reading time, I'll grab my book and I'll find a spot around the room and I I show them what reading salmon is too. I, if we're reading for 20 minutes, I'll read the whole time. Um, just And I find the days when I do that and they see me reading, that they read, like they could go for even longer. Um, and I think a lot of times people just, not necessarily in a bad way, but like, okay, they're all reading, I can you know, make this copy real quick, or I can send that email. They kind of use it as to catch up, but I think it's important to show them like, Hey, if we're going to be telling them that reading is important, that they should actually see us reading as well. Yeah. Um, then just, I mean, and I try to talk about, and I'm, it's one of those things too, where like, I'm still trying to get better at it. Like I want to be better at doing book talks and talking about, um, what I'm reading. I try to display it. I have a board that says like what I'm currently reading and books I've previously read. It's currently blank because I have not printed off the covers yet, but it will happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just having those book talks about like, hey, this is what I'm reading. This is what's happening. And I want to try to incorporate that into my morning meeting, letting kids talk about the books that they're reading and what's happening. And we just today we started our sticky note wall. I said, we are going to, one part of our wall, every time you finish a book, just put the title in your name and we're going to stick it up there. And at the end of the year, we're going to see just how much space it takes up. That's cool. I mean, it's interesting too. So for you, when you're talking about reading and modeling reading, I think it is hard because like 
during silent reading time, it's so easy to pull out like a stack of papers or grade the spelling test real fast or go deal with like a behavioral thing and, and just skip you actually sitting down and reading as well. Um, so I think it, it is hard to do that every day and model that every single day. Oh yeah, it, it definitely is. And that's, you know, I try to do it like once we get going to the school year, I'll try to do it at least once a week. Um, and I've kind of, then too, I don't really do reading logs cause I don't want it to be like, Hey, you need to go home and read. I don't want to be thought of as like homework. I want it to be like an enjoyable activity that they're choosing to do. And then to, so to kind of motivate them to do that at home lately, I've been doing like, Hey guys, like I finished a book because I was reading it here and I read it at home. And if I would have just read it here, it would have taken me weeks. But since I was reading at home too, I was, I've read it twice as fast and I'm ready for my next one. So I've been kind of asking like, Hey, who, who read last night? I'm not asking like, how long did you read or chapters or anything? Just kind of trying to get them in the habit of reading at home right now. That's such a the super smart way to um, get kids reading because I mean I know my kids somewhat dread that reading log and frankly so do I <laughs> as a parent. I think it just kind of becomes like a learned habit. Like the younger they have it, I think it's just like a uh. And I mean, yeah. I, the other thing is kids are busy, so it's like sure you have practice tonight. Like I get it. You probably got home. You were exhausted. You didn't read. But then if they have that reading log, they're like, okay, you have to read. You can't go to bed because we haven't done our reading yet. So. I just think there gets to be some like negative, you know, just vibes tied in with those reading logs. Yeah. I guess it's a good point though. I mean, on the flip side of that, my kids are super busy. So by having, and we just have like a little calendar that they write how long they've, you know, read and I sign it. Um, it's not really that heavy of a lift for me as a parent, but on the flip side, I mean, I guess it does kind of check us to say, okay, we need to slow down and read. Yeah. And that's what um, I mean. Like it, it's mixed feelings. It's definitely like a good reminder. Like, Hey, you should be reading at home, but it's just kind of like one of those things too. It's like, but then it's kind of like that force. So it's like just ideally finding like that happy balance where they're, they are reading at home, but it's more like a, Hey, we want to do it. We're pumped about this book instead of it yes. being like a, Oh, you got to sit down set the timer. You can't stop until it goes off. So Fletcher, let me ask you this as we're kind of wrapping up this conversation. I want to kind of ask you a couple questions. I'm going to put you on the spot here. For you, you're five years into your teaching career, third, second year in third grade. What are your, some of your personal, like professional growth goals uh, leading into like, you know, the next couple of years of teaching? Um, one of the big things like that I want to just like improve on and get better at has been like guided reading. Um, when I taught fifth grade, we, I didn't do guided reading. Um, we kind of did, you know, literature circles and kind of book club type stuff. So last year being into third, I was like, okay, I really don't actually know what I'm doing when it comes to guided reading. Um, so this summer I read a couple books, I asked my principal for someone, he recommended some good ones and I feel more confident this year, but it's still one of those things. It's like, I'm new at it and I know that it's, I'm better than I was last year, but I still just want to continue to get better every day and be more like using that time as effectively as possible. Love it. I love that you have that goal. What are some of your favorite books to recommend to reluctant readers or kids that say, I really don't like to read? Uh, first one right away would be Dogman um, by the same author, or Dave Pilkey from Captain Underpants. They love that series. Um, Amulet has been super popular as well. It's another graphic novel. 
Um, I've been trying to go more like with the I Survive, just because those bo- those books are awesome. Like I hadn't really read those, and one of my boys this year recommended the Pearl Harbor one to me. Yeah, and I read it. That's the one where I like had tried to read at school, and it was like, okay, it's like once a week. This is taking me forever. It should not. So then I just brought it home and finished it in a night. And then they recommended the Joplin, the Missouri, the Joplin tornado one. And so I finished that one in like two days. And then they're like, okay, can I? So they voted our next read aloud. So right now we're reading um, the Mount St. Helens. So I think just that's like an, another awesome series. And I'm hoping that reading one of them aloud will then some of these readers will be like, okay, there's a whole bin full of ones just like this that I could be reading. Yeah. The I Survive books, I'll tell you, I mean, I really like them and I've watched my son and all his friends really get into them and they'll ask for the book sets for Christmas and then they'll trade them and read them. Um, And I just think really for boys, thankfully, I feel like in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of great book authors or authors really targeting boys through graphic novels. Um, Not saying that the I Survive books are just for boys, but my boys always tended to kind of gravitate towards that non or that those nonfiction topics. Yeah, so for sure. I agree. Speaking of um, authors, next week um, on the next podcast episode, I interview Paul Rodine, who is he owns Rodine Literary Management, and he talks about teachers if they want to become an author, what it takes to publish a book for children. It's pretty interesting. So actually, Fletcher, by the time your episode is out, that one will be before yours. So it'll be Paul, then you. Okay. But it's really, yeah, it's really interesting to see what it takes to actually write and publish a book for children. I can't even imagine. (laughs) It's not as easy as one might. No, I don't, I don't feel like that would be an easy task. No. And it takes years and years. I mean, it it was interesting talking to him because he's an old family friend, but you know, just that there are people that, you know, probably come to him and think it's going to be boom and done. And it's a long, long process. So um, it's it's interesting. That actually might even be an interesting one to have kids listen to parts of it because it's like how much work it takes to actually get a book in their hands. Well, that too. And then I think it just kind of is more relatable too with a growth mindset. Like, hey, look at these authors. They're not giving up after one attempt. So yeah. your personal narrative isn't good after your first draft. We can go back and we yeah. can make it better. Yeah, definitely. Fletcher, thank you so much for being a guest on Educators to Educators podcast. You've been incredible. Everyone go follow Fletcher on Instagram at third grade swag. He is so fun to watch and stay in touch as you always do, Fletcher. I will. Thanks again, Carrie. Well, that's it for another episode of Educators to Educators. A huge thank you to Fletcher. You are just an incredible guy. I cannot wait to watch the rest of your teaching career and your escapades on your pontoon boat. I hope you get that new dog soon. For the rest of you, thanks for being here today. And until next time, keep on teaching on.